Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. In today's economy, more people than ever are looking to buy and sell businesses. But how do you do it? Welcome to The Deal Board, presented by Transworld Business Advisors. Straight talk about real deals and real people. Listen to stories, interviews, and expert advice to help your business sale, merger, or acquisition process. Now, here are your business exit experts, Andy and Jessica. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And we have a little bit of a pivot today. We are going to talk about the COVID-19 virus. I like to call it the COVID-19 virus because the coronavirus has already hurt poor Corona beer. I mean, it's insane. <laughs> oh my God. It's had so many effects worldwide. Um, and we're starting to see trickle effects down into the economy and small businesses. So we wanted to break kind of from our normal um, schedule programming that we had and do a podcast just about um, the COVID virus and what can we expect in the coming months in terms of effects uh, from the virus in the business arena? Yeah, and I think we have a lot of past data that we could look at. We've been through uh, the 9-11 and what happened after 9-11. We've been through hurricanes. uh, You know, other places have been through natural disasters. Uh, Of course, we uh, went through the economic downturn of 2009, 10, 11. But I I think this one's a little different. Number one, um, you know, Disasters are usually very regional, mm-hmm. right? So this one kind of is a worldwide kind of a thing going on. Uh, even though 9-11 was very regional, it certainly had a a, a pall on the economy uh, and the overall mood in the in in the in the world uh, during that time. So I think this one's a little bit more like that, but this one's going to affect specific industries and have a lot of trickle down and may present opportunities as well. Right. And I think when you look at anything like this, um, you know, uncertainty um, in individuals creates uncertainty in markets, right? And there's a lot of uncertainty right now. Um, There's a lot of fear right now. Um, Some of it is legitimate. Like some of it is we do need to make some sacrifices uh, across the globe to make sure that the virus doesn't spread. Some of it is more fear-based of the media kind of overplaying it constantly because it's, it's the new latest and greatest story to have, but it's, yeah, but it's creating uncertainty. And whenever you have uncertainty in any arena, it's going to affect business market. So we kind of put a list of topics together of where we think there's going to be trickle down effects in the business arena, specifically in small to mid-sized businesses like we sell. And we're going to go through those um, today and just talk about some of the positive effects that we could see um, and opportunities that might be available for buyers and sellers, but also some of the negative effects too. Yeah. And with every downturn or every correction in the stock market or every correction in the real estate business, we certainly saw opportunities. I mean, how many of us would love to go back to 2009 and start buying in the stock market or go back or buying in the real estate market? Uh, We wish we had a way back machine. So this could be your way back moment. This could be the opportunity for buyers and perhaps even sellers to get into the marketplace and do something. Uh, So let's go over the list. I mean, why don't we start right away with, you know, one of the things that I've already seen happen is that 
institutions get scared, banks specifically. Right. So, and we're going to talk about this um, in the future list, but there is going to be uh, negative effects in terms of revenue and profits on some businesses and, and specifically in some sectors. So, there might be some less financing right now. Banks are in the risk management business and they're they're not dumb. They're going to look ahead and know that there's going to be probably some dropped financials coming up in the next few quarters and they, they might delay financing or be a little bit more strict in that financing that they're offering right now. Yeah, and if they have other sectors that they're lending into, let's say uh, we were talking this morning about a small bank that pulled out of one of our deals uh, and we said, gee, if we were with a bigger company that specialized in only SBA financing, they might not have pulled out. You know, they're just trying to hedge their bets across everything, uh, perhaps even like the customer deposits, who knows. So if they were with a company like New Tech or with a company uh, like White Oak, um, Live Oak, excuse me, the, you know, they would have maybe a better shot at getting that financing still because they're big companies and they, they can take on that risk. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that comes at a time when there is some more risk going with um, larger banks or banks that specialize in SBA financing is a benefit. And this also comes on the heels of we've seen unprecedented business financing for the last like, what, five years, Andy? Yeah. You know, so it's if it wasn't um, the COVID virus, it, it was going to be something else to just slow it down a little bit. And it's still we're still at unprecedented heights. There's still a ton of deals getting done with SBA and conventional financing in, in the deal world right now. It's just not quite at the level we were seeing at the last couple quarters. And what you're going to see perhaps is what happened after 9-11 is the SBA or the federal government steps in with special financing to help small business. They won't let, you know, you already saw the Fed jump in and put an emergency lowering of interest rates to kind of prop up the markets. Uh, you will see if there's a long downturn in the marketplace and the unemployment uh, starts to rise, they will jump in and help small business people like they did in 9-11, giving out SBA loans to, to companies that are affected by the disaster. So not that this is going to be the disaster. We could talk about that a little bit. Why don't we, why don't we go through these and then we'll talk about each other's predictions of what we think is going to happen. All right. Sounds good. So the next topic we want to talk about, and I kind of teased it, but is lower uh, revenue and profits for some businesses. Um, so there are some industries that are going to be more affected by the virus than others. I mean, the big one to think of is tourism, right? So there's, I, I mean, I just flew back from Hawaii last night on a flight that's usually full and there's only about 56 of us on the airplane uh, out of 400. So you do see people canceling their trips and any, any business involved in tourism is going to have reduced revenue and pro, uh, profits for Q1 and maybe even Q2 if this continues. Yeah, and it, it it might be an opportunity to go on a trip. Obviously, we uh, we were looking up some of the rates and some of the rates for the cruise lines and some of the rates for resorts. It uh, for is very low right now, and that might be an opportunity for those who are willing to take that risk. But uh, again, it you know people are panicking now, and it may create opportunities. But if with lower profits. Uh, for businesses, yes, could affect SBA financing moving forward because the banks don't like to see going uh, businesses going down. But again, if everything kind of rebounds after this, which I think it will, we'll talk about that in a, in a little while, uh, they may be able to just kind of write that off, say, okay, 2020 first quarter, 
uh, second quarter uh, slow because of the COVID virus. But maybe, um, uh, you know, we could just write that off because things are back to normal. So, uh, but that will drive number three that we wanted to talk about today. Lower profits immediately kind of translates to lower prices in the marketplace. Uh, and that can be a very good thing for some businesses out there, some strategic buyers, uh, certainly an opportunity to go out there and buy, and certainly for a business owner who is thinking of buying, right? There could be some businesses that drop in value uh, just because of this COVID virus, and it, it might not be indicative of the business overall. It might just be a blip you know, like we're talking about. And so, but at times you're still going to have sellers that need to sell. We've talked about this on the show before and a lot of sellers sell for personal reasons, not business reasons. So just because their profits are lower, the COVID virus is out right now, doesn't mean that a seller might not have to relocate or might not be having health issues. They're still going to need to sell. Um, so as a buyer, you're going to be able to negotiate better deals and, and get better values. And in some industries, that's that's necessary. Some industries are quite elevated on values right now. So an easing, easing of valuations for buyers could be a good thing. Obviously, if you're a seller, not a good thing, right? But Right. But, but what we've seen in some of these cases is that uh, we always talk about, is there more bad business owners than or bad businesses. And so there's a plenty of good businesses that are being run badly and they might not have the capital to keep a good business going, even though revenues and profits might be down, it may be very temporary or it may be able to be saved if someone has good, you know, capital to run those businesses. And so again, another huge opportunity. We, I look back and we should have bought a bunch of businesses back in some of the economic downturns. And again, uh, you might want to go out there and look at businesses. But we just talked about how to buy those businesses. What's the next one? More seller financing. So in times like this, we're seeing, like we talked about, financing is getting a, a bit more challenging, not quite challenging just yet, but a bit more challenging. And um, valuations, we're expecting them to go down as the lower profit numbers roll in as the months and quarters close that's going to mean a greater reliance on seller financing, um, which is a great opportunity for buyers. Like we've talked about, it's a great way to utilize your cash, um, get more get more value out of the cash you're putting down, but also diversify your risk in a transaction. Yeah. I mean, so we, over the years, have seen in 19, uh, 2010, excuse me, I think we did four SBA loans and the year before we had did 50 in Florida. So you can see the banks pull back very, very quickly. And what we see is, uh, you know, the sellers have to step in and they finance their own deals. Again, those things could be refinanced later. Or Listen, it's a good investment for the seller. Where are they going to put their money right now with the interest rates near zero? I mean, and the stock market, uh, you know, perhaps not doing well. Um, so, so, Seller financing perhaps is a good investment for a seller who needs to get out. And there's going to be people that need to get out and buyers, great deals again. Yeah. And it's a good way to sidestep. Um, like we talked about, the banks are going to just be combing through things with a little bit more of a fine tooth comb. It's a great way to sidestep that whole process of just doing a seller finance deal versus relying on the banks. 
So another big one that I'm, I'm personally excited about, um, cause this is a challenge <laughs> we've been having in Denver, but whenever you see a market, um, become a little bit more shaky or even going down, it makes dealing with commercial real estate and landlords a lot easier. Landlords suddenly become a lot more flexible. Um, and specifically when you're buying a business, you are taking over um, that lease or that what we call lease assignment. And in a good market, landlords are pretty stringent. And it's hard to negotiate those assignments. But when it gets shaky, the landlords are a lot easier to negotiate with. Yeah. And what we've also seen people do is when they go buy a business and there's not a lot of runway rate left to the uh left to the lease, say there's one, two, three, three years left and the buyer's buying the business, they could go back and negotiate like a 10-year lease, a five and a five, and get a huge reduction in rent. And I've seen this. I did it myself during the economic downturn. I renegotiated some of my leases and we were able to make a lot of money because of it. And I think that's what you're going to see out there in the world is Lots of opportunity to move businesses, a lot of opportunity to expand your business, and a lot of opportunity to buy a business and get a decent rent. I mean, all things being equal, if you could choose when you want to negotiate your rent, it's during a time like now. You want to take advantage of the uncertainty and the risk that the landlords are looking at and they want to have secure tenants. So you use that to your advantage in this type of uncertain marketplace and you negotiate the best deal possible. So even if you're not thinking about selling and you have a, a lease coming up, I, I would be having those conversations right now. And if you're a buyer, I think what we're going to see is more businesses on the market. That's our next point. I think you're going to see an opportunity to look at a lot of different businesses. We've seen this, you know, especially since we went through the economic downturn 10 years ago, we might see some business owners panic and put good businesses up for sale because they just don't want to do it again. Uh, they went through the first economic downturn. They don't want to do it again. They've got enough money. They've made money over the last decade. Uh, it may be time for them to go. And you may be able to get someone while they're, you know, scared or wanting to just, just, take their foot off the gas pedal. Yeah. And we've talked about this through our, our baby boomer and seller tsunami episodes too, but you have over 50% of small businesses in America are owned by the baby boomer generation. They've been through all these ups and downs. They don't want to go through another 2008 or 2009. They're not going to do another cycle and it's going to take a trigger event, something like COVID, or it could be something else that's going to create a flood of these businesses on the market. So we we may see not quite a flood, but we may see an uptick in the number of listings, which is good for buyers. It creates um, more businesses for you to pick from as a buyer, but it also gives you a bit of an upper hand when we've kind of been in a seller's market for the last few years. And so the next thing is, and it's kind of a downside to a buyer and seller, but there may be less money available for a buyer to leverage. And, you know, we saw this during the economic downturn as well, that, you know, people's home equity, uh, they didn't have as much home equity. Now, I don't think the real estate market's going to contract over this one. So I think the home equity will stay. But what you certainly feel is people feel less rich when their IRAs go down or when their stock market holdings go down. Uh, so there may be some, you know, pushback or inability or unwillingness for people to leverage their money or spend their money. So it, again, might have a downward pressure on some valuations. But again, I don't think this is a huge point, but I think we, we, there may be a little bit less money available for buyers to 
put as a down payment. Yeah, and you'll see this too is, I'm not sure I agree with you. I, I do agree with you, Andy. I don't think you'll see it as much in valuations, but you will see a push more for seller financing like we've already discussed um, with buyers. If if they're using their stock portfolio, their retirement portfolio, they're not going to have the 30, 50% to put down that they were planning on. They might look to the seller to make that up in terms of seller financing. And I think you're going to see uh, perhaps, you know, people started using earnouts a little bit more, those kind of things, because the seller's going to still want their price. The buyer's going to want to hedge their, you know, they want to protect themselves from the down, the downside. So earnouts might be something you might see or contingent notes or, you know, everybody gets a little bit more creative. Again, opportunity. Uh, and uh, lastly, I think before we talk about the uh, predictions of what's going to happen, uh, I think there's going to be some businesses that do very, very well in this. And that's a little bit different than the economic downturn. I, I mean, there were some businesses that did well, but there's going to be some businesses that win uh, with this downturn. Yeah. I mean, you see right now um, that especially cleaning and janitorial, right? There's a big push for all these cleaning services to come in and clean these public venues. And it's times like these that th those businesses can really charge whatever they want or need to, to provide those services, especially in government contracts. So you'll see, I mean, that industry is going to do really well. Um, you know, whatever company is producing the masks that keep going out of stock, like they're doing really well too, I'm sure. But there's other things you don't think of too, right, Andy? These trickle down effects for businesses that provide services. Um, sometimes when people contract with spending or stay more local to their community, yeah, you're going to see, uh, I think, people eating out less. But guess what they're going to do? They're going to order in. So you see all these quick-serve restaurants that are going to, you know, DoorDash and, and, and uh, you know, ordering through uh, apps uh, like Uber Eats and all those kind of things. I think they're going to do better. So I think you're going to see pizza um, do well. Listen, if everybody's going to be miserable... They're going to eat <laughs> yeah. and they're going to eat bad things. And they're going yeah. so, to drink too, right? Eat and drink. Right, right. So that's the <laughs> yeah. other thing. Like liquor always does well. And got, I was talking to someone who works at a big liquor company and I said, oh, is, is business going down? He goes, no, business never goes down. It just shifts. Instead of, you know, sending it to the, to the bars, uh, the liquor, we're going to be sending it to the supermarkets because people are going to go buy buy them. And I think some of the small grocery stores will do well. I think uh, conveniencers, people are not going to be want to be in big crowds. So they might go, they might stay very local. They might walk to the, you know, to their local convenience store and get things. If people are hanging around home, uh, you know, they're going to do things like, uh, you know, just uh, get snacks for at home, ice cream. They're, they're going to want to get out of the house a little bit. So I think, you know, even the small coffee shops, small cafes, they'll continue to do well. People might not want to hang around in them too long, but I think people are going to get tired of, of sitting at home if they think they need to. And of course, all the things that are medical supplies, right? Medical supplies, hardware, all that stuff. I do. I have a friend that uh, owns a survival gear company. His uh, his business is up quite high right now. Um, so you've you've got all those types of things when people panic. I know my cousin's stockpiling water and food. I think right now. So um, in the mountains of Colorado. But yeah, there's there's tons of businesses that are going to do well. And I think as a business owner, this is a different 
type of business that you run in times like these, but there's so many advantages and opportunities, um, whether it's playing off of what people are going to need in this kind of hunker down mode, or if it's looking like you mentioned too, Andy, going after acquisitions, um, for competitors that might not be doing well in this time, that's a really easy and quick way to grow your business, especially if you can get a good deal on it. So time for a little prediction. I, I, my prediction for this whole thing is that it will be somewhat short-lived. Uh, I think for a few reasons. Number one, I think that um, people will get sick. So I think this is not a hoax. I think this is going to go around. But I think 80% of the people are going to have mild sy symptoms, even if they have it, if they know they have it at all. And everybody will start posting on Facebook, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then people will go about their daily lives. Uh, America has a very short attention span for these kind of things. You see in China and Italy, them shutting down for a quarter. I can't see the United States shutting down for a quarter. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think we go through things like this. And, and this one definitely is, is one of the worst ones. But we've been through Zika and SARS and the uh, swine flu. And, and it's just, it's another, um, step kind of like those, maybe a little bit worse because it's a little bit more unknown. But what's also interesting is if, if you read a lot of the articles, our medical technology just continues to get better and faster all the time. And I forget how long it took to do the genetic sequencing, sequencing of SARS, but it, it was a couple months. If I might be mistaken, but we sequenced, um, COVID in two weeks. So I, I think you'll see, and you, we are seeing the medical community move much faster in searching for treatment and cures of the disease. And, and I agree with you too. I think most people are going to have um, very low symptoms, cold type things, and people are only going to want to stay cooped up so long. We also live culturally in a different time. Um, I have a girlfriend that unfortunately always says if the world's going to end and I can't get my nails done. I'd, I'd rather go with everybody else. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I with the millennial generation and even some of the Gen Xers, you know, if, if, if they can't get their food delivery, if they, you know, can't go out and have their experiences, I, I think that's pretty short-lived. And this is, yes, it's a big risk, but it's not it's not a, a giant risk. We're not seeing um, an infection rate and a, a mortality rate that's unprecedented, so. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on on your other, on on your other side of this, I, I do believe that the medical community is going to do a better job of handling the people that are at risk. And I think that 3%, 5%, whatever you want to call it, of people that have a mortality due to this virus will come way down over the next few weeks because somebody's going to figure it out. I mean, even as something as horrible as Ebola was, you saw them get together, the medical community, bring those people back to the United States and basically cure them. And I, I, I think that will happen. I don't think there will be a, uh, some people have been telling me that there's going to be a, a vaccine in, in 30 days. I don't think that's going to be the case, but I think they're going to be able to figure out how best to make people feel good through this. And I, I think we'll, we'll have a much lower incident of, of death. And and, you know, while one death is too many, uh, and, and certainly we're all concerned about our elderly parents and grandparents and things like that, um, I think we're going to figure it out pretty quick. And, and so hopefully uh, this, all this stuff that I just talked about, maybe a very short window where you can take advantage of it. 
but it's certainly something to discuss. It could be, if I, if I had to put a bet on it, I'd say three to four months of, you know, kind of everybody trying to figure this out. Yeah. Uh, at most. Yeah, that's, that's where my guess is too. And, you know, hopefully this is similar to other flus where it also peters out as the weather warms up across North America, but we'll see. I think no matter what, we've either given you a great strategy on how to perform as a buyer or seller in a, in an uncertain marketplace. And at best, it's just practice for what eventually is sure to come. Um, but it's always great practice too, as a business owner and entrepreneur to know how to navigate uncertain times as well as the good times. Exactly. Well, great episode and uh, thanks for being here. Thanks guys. Transworld Business Advisors is the world's largest business brokerage and mergers and acquisitions firm with over 500 brokers in nearly 200 offices worldwide. Transworld's team handles thousands of business sales every year. To be connected with a qualified business broker or learn more about the buying and selling process, visit tworld.com forward slash the deal board or call 888-719-9098. Hey, Andy, do you know what time it is? It's time for our deal of the week. Deal of the week. Sold. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And we are talking deal of the week. And I have my dear friend and partner from the UK live here in Fort Lauderdale. So welcome, Henry. Thanks for having me, Andy. So Transworld Business Advisors of the UK and London. So uh, just close a nice deal. Yeah. So we just closed the deal we've been working on for just over a year. So it was a dentist deal um sold for three million pounds and it uh it made about five hundred thousand pounds a year um we had a great seller who wasn't was looking to sell he'd been running this practice for just over a decade and wanted to move back home to the middle east to be with his family Mm. um his dad was unwell uh and we found a great buyer who kind of a strategic buyer she had five or six practices and was looking to add to her portfolio um, and you know, buyer and seller got on really well from the first meeting and yeah, I think one of those good deals for good people. Yeah, that sounds great. And was there financing involved? Uh, there wasn't financing involved, but the buy, the buyer used, um, some bank finance, but you know, had the cash. So. Had the cash. It yeah. was a personal kind of asset yeah, loan that she got. Exactly. Okay, great. Great deal. And uh, uh, yeah, dental practices do sell, right? It's a- yeah. So this, you know, in the in the UK, we have the NHS. So this wasn't one of those kind of cl- dental clinics that was doing kind of lots, lots of kind of new work. It was, it's almost like a community need. Um, so yeah, it's, it was a lot kind of local, local people in the community that, that were their customers. Yeah. So that, and we see that here in the United States as well, that, you know, medical practices, depending on the patient load and depending on how they're getting paid is how it's going to be valued. So this was a, a, a six time multiple. Yes. Six times multiple. So, um, yeah, it was kind of a full, a full price, but it has lots of repeat customers from the local community. Uh, one of the unique things about this deal was we're actually moving the site as well, um, which made it slightly more complicated um, because you have local licensing to a specific site and things like that. So the buyer gets to move into a new site in a couple of months, which is going to actually be a bigger practice. Oh, that's great. Great deal. Like you said, good deals for good people. 
Uh, Henry, if someone wanted to get in touch with you to sell a business in London or anywhere in the UK, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, best way to get in touch. So you can email us at hziff, that's H-Z-I-F-F at tworlduk.com or give us a call on 0203-911-1059 or get in touch through the website. Great having you. Thanks, Henry. Thanks, Andy. Hey, Jessica, you know what time it is? Money time? Almost. It's time for Listing of the Week. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And it is Listing of the Week. And I have my partner, Henry Ziff, from the UK here, Transworld Business Advisors of London and the UK. And he is here with an interesting deal that probably could be bought almost anywhere, right, Henry? Yeah, absolutely. So this is one of those businesses that we think can be run anywhere in the world. Um, it's actually quite a nice one for this time of year because it's all about personalized handwritten notes and uh, and gifting. Um, so what the business does is it, they um, have a, a system, technology that they've created um, that you can go along and you can uh, you automate and uh, write um handwritten handwritten notes are created um and you can send them out to all your customers so it's a great thing to do you know during the holiday season or if you have kind of customers that have bought from you in the past um a great way to kind of stay in touch stay in touch and thank your customers for being your customers um the business um they have over 300 subscribers for the people that actually do the writing but the whole process has been automated uh and they've had some great clients kind of blue chip um uh blue chip high high value clients already uh the business is not being marketed at over a million pounds um and last year they uh the sales were just under under half a million pounds hmm. um but there's absolutely there's great potential for growth in this business um but it can be absolutely relocated and run anywhere Right. And so, and how much were they asking? So they're asking for offers above a million pounds. Right. Um, but, you know, these things, these things t are potentially negotiable. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, and uh, I love this business because I, I talk about it all the time. I mean, getting a handwritten note is so different these days. I mean, how many emails do you get a day? And how many handwritten notes do you get a day? You know, I don't get a handwritten note every day. So it's a, it's a powerful tool. Yeah. Exactly. And these, and I'm sure you've seen, Andy, those businesses where they're handwritten by robots. So we've all seen the kind of car adverts where you have robots painting, um, painting cars and stuff like that. These are genuinely handwritten notes, um, but they've developed a great back, back office system that automates the entire process from me as a, let's say I want to send a thousand of my customers a note. Um, I can, I, I kind of process it through the system. There's, they have checks um, throughout the, throughout it as well in order to kind of sign off, making sure every note is personalized and unique and correct when they go out to the customer. Um, and it's, you know, it's a great, it's a great potentially add-on tool to a marketing agency um, or somebody that just wants to get into the kind of um, gifting and kind of, yeah, gifting business. All right. Well, it sounds like a great deal for someone. How best to get in touch with you if somebody wants to learn more? Best two ways are probably give us a call on our office line, which is plus four four two zero three nine one 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 zero five nine, or drop me an email at at hziff at tworlduk.com. That's great. Thanks for coming on today, Henry. I really appreciate it. 
brilliant, Andy. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends on social media. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions, would like to appear, or have suggestions for topics for the show, get in contact with us through our website, thedealboardpodcast.com. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.